Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Woo! Kate's back, everybody! (laughs) I don't think the listeners liked that you were away at all, to be honest. They were rioting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't get more emails about how we're not going to listen. Yeah, just like a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you had other you had fun do doing good episodes without me yeah they were fun i mean we listened to, i i got some listeners on the podcast that's awesome uh i brought in now i'm forgetting what i did i because i'm only remembering the most recent one that i did with my friend spidey um and then i did your brother my brother that, yeah. i shouldn't forget that one <laughs> and i brought my brother in and then i got timothy reese to do open up. I wish you were here for that one. If, if any of those, I wish you were here for opening up that. The RPG. <laughs> the RPG, yeah. Because that shit's cool. And we'll, I can't we'll, wait to play. We'll play that like in a in a month. I don't know. Whenever we're, we can yeah. hang out. Yeah. I feel like as soon as this year sort of calms down with weddings, I will be uh-huh. able to uh, attempt to uh, to um, uh, GM that game. And Hell yeah. We'll see. Speaking of that, that's what I did. Wait, what? You? Yeah. Why were you gone? <laughs> so I was telling you, we, we, Jess and I planned this trip back in 2019, like before the pandemic, for our parents to go to the UK. <laughs> like my mom and my mom is super into her family tree, and they're we from way back are like people are from Wales or whatever. So uh-huh. she she's been wanting to go there for a long time, and I knew she would not really plan the trip by herself so i was like uh like she had never been outside the country and stuff like that so i was like let's we'll plan a trip for her and jess's family way back in the day is from scotland so we went to scotland and wales and then like we kept pushing the trip back of course because of uh quarantine and stuff and finally it was coming up and we're like let's like we, we moved it to 2022 to be like oh that'll be well out of it and of course like we still were trying to be as cautious as possible and like getting tested and wearing our masks and stuff like that. For sure. But uh, yeah. And then Jess was like, Oh, we could, while we're in Edinburgh, Scotland, we could go to the city chambers, like basically like a little municipal building and have a wedding ceremony. So that's what we did. Do you hear that folks? Kate <laughs> is officially married. Yeah. Woo, congratulations to you and Jess. It's been a long time. <laughs> we I mean, are, we were supposed to get married in 2020 and obviously shit got rearranged from that. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like just like a long time coming. It feels just like a relief, you know. I feel like we've been married for so long anyway. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Official and yeah, in the eyes the of the law. In the eyes of God. <laughs> no, <it> was, <laughs> we were, if we were trying to get a marriage visa, and it was really fucking hard. Do you have any highlights from getting married? The 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 official marriage experience in Vegas. Any highlights to share from that experience? I mean, Vegas is fucking insane. It was the first time I ever went and it was just a total fucking circus. Like, it was crazy. Like, you know, I'm sure if I gambled, if I was like better at games, like my boss is super into gambling and was like, oh, I'll take you back to Vegas. Like, we'll all go as an office and it'll be like a fun. He like knows like, you know, craps is the best odds. You got to play craps. And he's like talking to me about all this shit. I was like, sure, man. Like this guy, you know, 
he's a TV showrunner, so I was like, yeah, I'm sure your experience in Vegas is different from mine. I lost forty dollars on slots and was like, let's go, let's go back to the hotel room. <laughs> One of the first times I ever gambled in Vegas was somebody's like, oh, let's do blackjack. They gave me $20. I immediately lost it and was like, I'll never do this Uh again. (laughs) Yeah. It just, you watch your money just go away. And then you're like, and apparently blackjack too is supposed to be good odds. Like he was saying like blackjack, blackjack and craps are the games to play if you're going to win. I'm, I have no experience playing those games. I don't want my first time to be playing craps at a fucking big uh, crowded Vegas table, especially like (laughs) it's so covid you know what I mean? It's like still like this shit's like going down, I guess. I don't even know if it is. It's creepy, you know? Yeah. The whole thing's still kind of creepy being in. And just hotels, I mean, not hotels, casinos, like, you know, having like no clocks and no windows and like there's like a yeah. lot of just like weird shit that they're like programming people's brains to want to stay there and like spend money. I, I don't know. Some of it kind of creeps me out to that degree. I think buffets are cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know and i like like i like i like kitschiness and like campiness and shit and like old vegas kind of places were were neat to look at i wish we went to we didn't have time to we were only there for like 24 hours but i was like oh this like neon museum looks cool and like the haunted museum like there's shit there that i was like i wish we had time to do that but as far as gambling is concerned i don't know i think you want your first craps game to be in an alleyway yeah, I want to be cardboard. shooting dice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be invited to those games. Maybe I would because I would lose. <laughs> You're like, I want the real craps games. You know, the street right. craps. I just, uh, I don't know anything. You know, I, I have I no either. skill in those games, you know. I, I roll, speaking of rolling dice, because that game is about dice rolling. I have such a terrible ratio like on my show that i uh, i do novel chronicles in the world sort of a D, so yeah. you have to roll dice my rate my like like odds, success rate success rate is so low yeah I some people just so can't low. maybe you need new dice you gotta get rid of those bad that's luck what everyone dice. says but then i'm like i switch dice and it's still the same thing so result. bad it's just like i guess me and, my Your hands and dice don't negative. go together. That's so funny. <laughs> so I understand. Well, that's amazing. And then was there any other highlights from uh, uh, Scotland? That you yeah. Share I mean, with? it was just a totally Wales and Scotland were both just really magical places. I mean, they're the kind of like you can see how living there would inspire somebody to like write Lord of the Rings or write, uh, you know, like kind of like fantasy stories like. Scotland's official animal is a unicorn and Wales is a dragon. So it's like, (laughs) like they're like, you know, how we have like state animals. They have like, they have shit like that. So it's like, it's so ingrained in people in like their society, like their buildings and shit. Like that was really cool. Seeing castles in person. Oh yeah. That would be cool. That was awesome. And we had just, we were just super lucky with weather. Like I think it rained on us like once. In like a long, you know, we're there for like 10 days or something. Yeah, just and just my mom getting to go like she I don't know if she would ever have done it without us kind of figuring out the logistics. And I think she had a lot of fun. And, you know, she like knows like Welsh phrases. She's like learned a lot about it and she's just wanted to go for a long time. But uh, so that was that was nice to see like her getting to go was really cool. That's great. Yeah, it was fine. Awesome. What about when you, because you went to Vegas too. What was your highlight from Vegas? Our, our, oh, our wedding highlight? Yeah. I might have already shared this. I mean, our highlight is our Ve- our Elvis 
coming out out of character, looking at me in a bath and saying, hey, are you guys alone? And we're like, yeah, we haven't told anybody. And that she, he's like, well, um, I have two friends from here from out of town. They want to see what I do. Oh, my God. Because they sit in my ceremony and we started laughing and we were like, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we so we have. We had two strangers there. We have pictures with them in the background. That's so funny, man. And it's... They're your witnesses. The thing is, they already had a witness. The photographer's the witness. These are just random people. (laughs) That's how... That's exactly how ours was. Our Elvis was really cool. He was really... that's good. He was like a good singer. He sounded really good. He had like... You know, he was doing like his Elvis karate moves and like all of his fake jewelry was like clacking together as he was like karate kicking and stuff. (laughs) He sang two songs. We over tipped him a ton. I like misunderstood how to pay him. Like there was like a fee, like an Elvis fee that was like separate from our wedding. And then it was like, you're also supposed to tip him too. And I like basically paid this man twice. I was like, here you go. And then he was like, you want more pictures? Like he got like really friendly after that. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I I just strapped so much stupid money. We did too. We bought all our pictures. We were like, let's just get them all. And we wanted to do it. Well, the the reason we did that was because like marriage visas were just a, a bitch. So we but the marriage renewal ceremony was super easy. Like you don't as right. long as you're married in the States already, you could go to the other country and like have ceremony and it's not a big deal. So that's oh, what that's we did. Good. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know for all those. Yeah. If you want to renew your wedding vows in another country with your family and we'll have like we'll we'll do like you guys and have like a party down the road. I You know, for sure. Uh, we always were going to have a party. So. Yeah. Yeah. We never Smart. we never had any intention of anybody watching us get married. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's nice, though. It's nice to have something small. It feels like it feels like more, you know, obviously it wasn't, you know, how like reverent can something be when it when Elvis is is being like, would you promise to be each other's baby for the rest of your life? You know, yeah. shit like that. But it's like, it really was nice just to have it be like a small thing. So I'm sure you guys felt the same way. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was for us and that's how we want it. It's like a spectacle, but only for you guys. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I get why people do it. Why people go to Vegas. And also, you know, in because you have to go pick up your paperwork which I'm sure you guys did. It's so easy. It's like going to a grocery store. It is. You get in like this little line. There were maybe like 10 other couples there. And the that line was the was a highlight too. Just seeing the people in that line. Because it's like, it really varies. There's a lot of people in that line that's like ranges from like, oh, you like maybe work in Vegas or something. Like, you know, various like scantily clad people like getting engaged or something. Like that part was really fun. Seeing like the, you know, the paperwork side of it was good. What do you think out of the number of 10 other couples, how many do you think will will last? Will make or, it? Yeah, or will get it immediately is it what is it called? Annulled or Annulled whatever? or and badly. How many out of those? I don't know. You know, it's like uh most people seemed like just like normal nice people. I think okay. that the people the people who were like scantily clad, they were like young. They were really young, so who knows. I think like <laughs> regardless of how how dressed you are i think like if you get married really young like you change as a person a lot right. so it's like who's to say i don't want right. to curse their wedding though i don't you know i don't want to 
Oh, that's, I understand. We want to wish them the best. Also, people, you know, people change and you get divorced when they're older, too. It's like. Yes, yes. I, I'm more I'm more like annulled, like immediately like they wake up. Oh, the like they're, they're like, I made they're a like, huge what mistake. Do we do? Let me get back in this line and change this now. Yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, probably at least one. One out of ten seems likely. <laughs> Well, that's great. Uh, congratulations again. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. It's a good reason to go missing for a whole month, <laughs> uh, I think. Um, and now the listeners know. Thanks for dealing with that, Dave. No, no problem. No problem I at all. I appreciate it. Uh, but that's great. You just got back from Scotland, a magical land. That's perfect for what we're discussing today, which, that's which right. is going to be... The Storm, um, chapters two and three. Hell yeah. So I think we should get into this because we have a lot of great story to, to get through and discuss. Great. Well, give us some credit stats. I, I call them stats. Yeah, let's like, go through it. Like they're, these stories are basketball players. Because <laughs> we're very cool. Yeah, Hellboy, The Storm, written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Duncan Figredo, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. Originally published as Hellboy, The Storm, numbers one through three. That was July through September of 2010. Yeah, and we're we're on number two right now. We kind of left off with Hellboy and Alice getting attacked by some warrior, some champion of Nimue. Mm -hmm. And they still have Excalibur and there's like a fight ensuing in, in the woods with them. And Graugak has stumbled upon the grave of Merlin, who is like, fuck you, basically. Yeah. You know, there, you, no mercy for you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we left off before. The second issue continues with that. We see the Mignola cover with this champion of the Blood Queen with a giant spear fighting Hellboy holding Excalibur. And the bolt of lightning is there Absolutely. and the skulls are there. Yeah, it's fucking awesome looking. It's a very interesting color. Just, yeah. I've noticed that like, and I wonder if this is a conversation between Duncan and and Mignola. I feel like the colors on these covers, and maybe it's because they know this is sort of the, the end of the story. Like we're driving towards the end of the storyline. Yeah. The colors are very dire is the best way. I don't know how else to say it. Like, yeah, like very, very muted, even for because I feel like usually there's at least one pop of bright color. And maybe that's it. This like storm kind of casting a shadow over everything. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like sort of these like very muted colors to show the kind of doom and gloom feeling that you're, you know, we don't know if there's a bright spot of hope and there's no literal bright spot of anything of color on any of these covers. Yeah. I guess the first issue you have Hellboy's pretty bright red, but certainly in two and three, the covers are like, yeah, very subdued. Yeah. On this one, it's like the the logo itself is really the only pot red. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, that yellow, I love the, the backdrop of like, whatever, I don't know if that's yeah. a yellow or what. I don't know what I would call that. I would say, yeah, like a, because you have a gold, you have a lot of like gold things throughout the story of Excalibur is kind of this gold color and then Mab's blood. And that has also been used to like christen this creature to transform him into the champion mm -hmm. for Nimue, the hedgehog. Right. So it's like, there's like gold colored themes throughout the story there's like kind of a red and gold thing happening and i think that that's reflected 
by these covers here. Yeah. I was going to say it looks putrid to me, but it's not like that bad looking. It's a little sickening. Yeah. It is a little sickening, I think. It's like a, yeah. I think it's supposed to be kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's a great choice. I think, I think you're, I think you're on the money. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking cool. These, these issues are so cool. Yeah, this story is, I mean, let's get into it because this story is, I, I, I mean, I've read these and I forgot how fucking good it is. Yeah. Well, it opens first with uh, we have Merlin uh, kind of narrating, explaining to Grauga the origin, like Nimue's origin somewhat. You know, she's called the seducer and betrayer of men. There's like obviously Adam and Eve imagery here with a snake and an apple and she's holding an apple and kind of holding Merlin as he mm, sinks into this like weakened state. She buries him alive. She like learns his powers and then buries him alive and then goes mad because <laughs> she has she like can't contain these powers without guidance or whatever. This whole thing though, you know, I'm a little on a uh, blood queen side. Yeah, it's like the kind of stuff you hear about about like it's like women through like folklore and stuff like being seducers and like evil figures mm-hmm. and not have, having like power that exceeds the, their ability to control it, it, like that kind of shit. So my immediate, my knee jerk reaction is like, okay, go Nimue. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's also like something, I mean, that's great to point out. Like there's. She's also insane. You know, a woman could be insane and violent sure. and crazy. But, but there is a yeah. lot to be implied there of like, oh, is she a woman and she can't handle the power? Therefore, she goes crazy. But then therefore, rather than help her, we just these witches just straight up turn on her and cut her up. <laughs> I guess there's she becomes so powerful so quickly and so mad with power that they're yeah. like, wow, they, we fucking put our eggs in the wrong basket here. Yeah. And, and they like poison her and chop her up. She's talking to the Audru Jihad. So there's a whole. Yeah. Yeah. There, I guess. She, yeah. She's this like. Yeah. She's just a a vessel a tool for Audru Jihad here, bringing him to earth and destroying everything so she gets sealed away until you grauga came along you piece of shit (laughs) and he's like well the army's not here yet he's like uh psych look over there the army is rising from the ground and uh you know hellboy he's like grauga is like trying desperately to explain you know he he didn't only burn me with iron he did all that and it's kind of like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you your like pettiness and um and all of that, your need for revenge over this kind of relatively small thing has doomed us. Mab is dead, her blood has been used to make her champion, who is gonna find Hellboy and kill him, and then that's how we kind of transition to uh well, not not like not entirely. We kind of like transition to the Hellboy fight, but it comes back to Merlin continuing to explain yeah. like you know, you thought that this would bring the fairy folk back, but now the like purest of you fairy folk is has been killed, and Nimue is just going to bring destruction. Your like green fields will never return. I curse you to live through all of this shit and never be able to die, and that's <laughs> sad. Yeah, he's a sad, very pathetic, you know, pitiful figure. The saddest, the saddest. Which yeah, I, 
I feel for him. He's still one of my favorites. I do like him in the story. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. It's good to have this like little character who's like his intention wasn't to destroy the world. It was. You know, I think a lot of people are flawed and ha- act and do things out of like spite or anger, vengeance kind of thing. You know, it's like a weak trait to have, but I think it's a very natural reaction right. to a lot of stuff. So, so yeah, I think you just, I think you feel for him and you go like, oh man, <laughs> I'm sure I was that mad at somebody and uh, yeah. did or said something I regretted. And yeah, so it's a good, that's a good thing to have in there. Yeah, I really like this moment of the reveal that the porcupine is our champion. I think that's right. amazing. I love the, the the paint on his little tiny eye. And then the next page, mm-hmm. it's wild that he's this big champion. And, and it's interesting that he has a wound on his chest with this Kirby crackle power coming out of it, like black smoke almost as well. And it's very interesting that it's coming out of the same place that Hellboy has been stabbed twice now. And we'll see. We'll get another third. Yeah. It's very, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what that detail is representative of, but it's a it's a very interesting detail to to have on him. It's definitely something at this point, like once Hellboy is stabbed, it's like a recurring thing. He's been stabbed through the middle of the torso before and lived through to, you know, continue fighting. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's like an intentional thing. They don't like explicitly say like, your chest has a hole in it, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, I think like maybe like thematically the imagery of this guy, maybe he's supposed to be a little, he's like a tool of evil and as opposed to Hellboy, who's like a, supposed to be a tool of evil who refuses that. I guess that's like, you know, maybe at, at least like a little surface level kind of a thing. Totally. And before we transition in, into the next moment of the story, there's two moments or Panels specifically, but moments is one I love. This is one of my favorite images of Nimue as the like the goddess of war. Sorry, I could not think of the word goddess of war. Goddess of war, yeah. It's like this, like the this like crow, this like sort of mm, personification of war and evil from from this like Irish mythology. Yes, and I love yeah with her as goddess of war. That panel where just all black or excuse me, all red. And her just standing yeah. with the skull and her crown of crows. I'm just like, that's yeah. the coolest fucking thing. It's in badass. The, the helmet rules. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's awesome. I love that panel. And then I really, I completely forgot about this moment. And it's, it sort of stopped me in my tracks when I was rereading it. it was when we get this flash of Grogok seeing the future, like, of like seeing an Ogdru Jihad or. Asadu yeah. him, one of them, uh, yeah. the children in this destructed world. And it's like, I, I realized it was like, oh, that's very interesting that Grogok is like seeing a vision that's literally almost identical to what Liz has been seeing. Yeah. And I just love yeah. that panel of his tiny little self being it all. <laughs> it just, and for the reader too, it like uh, reinforces that as, yeah, this is actually going to happen. Because I think like, it's tough with Liz. She's sort of this like, what do you call them? Like imperfect narrators or something. Like we see things through her eyes, but she's being deceived a lot of the time. So it's like we can't necessarily take it for granted that that's true. Yeah. But Liz is like this imperfect narrator who we we aren't 100 percent sure that we're seeing the truth when we see something through her eyes. So it's it's nice to have it through Graugic's eyes as well and 
kind of lets us know, like, yeah, this is a very real threat and this could happen. I agree. And I think it also reiterates, in addition to that, is Agdur Jahad is not about just, oh, we're going to destroy humankind. It's like everything's gone. I'm taking down, like, because Gregor's whole thing was like, I want my race and like the, 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 that sort of fantasy world that we know of that's tucked away now from man. I think he wants that to come back. But then it's like, no, this only leads to everything being decimated. <laughs> Nothing yeah. is being left. It's like, right. whoa. <laughs> it's sad. Agruhem. <laughs> yeah. The Agruhem. He's going to, all of them are going to occupy the earth. Cool. All right, then we got a big boom of lightning. <laughs> yeah, boom of lightning striking the church that Hellboy had visited earlier with his friend the priest and then the traitor who didn't, like the corpse of the traitor who didn't rise up to leave earlier mm-hmm. has finally risen and he's letting the priest know now's the blackest hour when the traitors suffer most. You hear the trumpets rattle of uh, the rattle of arms it's the eye of battle and wildness and storm about to break. Eve, and I think you said eye. It's Eve. The fu- oh, it is. Okay, <laughs> you're right. It's the eve of battle. Okay, yeah. And you know, the priest prays to God. Well, is it God or is it King Arthur? I think it's King Arthur. Oh, right? oh just, it is. I'm I think an he's idiot. on his knees being like, oh, it's the king, the one true king of England. Oh, I'm so dumb because I was thinking about how the one guy didn't like raise from the dead and thinking it was him, but obviously he's got like a crown. Right. And he appears to him. Okay, that makes more sense. Whoops. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. (laughs) Unless unless that guy really became worthy all of a sudden, you know? (laughs) No, no, no. I was just confused. I just didn't read it right. All good. But it's obviously, you're obviously right. This is why it's good to read it together. We, you know, you see where <laughs> you see all the dumb shit you missed. Well, that's cool. That's much cooler then. Because I guess that's still, it still has a panel focusing on this traitor guy. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting this that Stone remains unmoved. Yeah, it's interesting to focus okay. on that because it's like, mm-hmm. I think for, because for a moment, I was even confused. I was like, is he here? I was like, does the priest hear the forgive me? But then it's like, but then he interacts with what I assume is a King Arthur. So it's like, okay, I guess it's just implying the crown is still available for Hellboy, I guess. Just reminding us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, which one will he, will he take up? Right. That makes sense. Okay, cool. And then we have the continued fight between Nimue's champion and Hellboy in the woods. And the champion's like, you know, it's our turn. You guys are dumb. (laughs) And Hellboy, uh, Alice kind of comes to a little bit more in the car, grabs Excalibur and throws it to Hellboy, who grabs it. But just when we think, oh, he'll use it to slice this creature down, the champion stabs Hellboy through the middle with an enormous spear, and we're like, oh, fuck. But then Hellboy crunches the handle of the spear with his right hand of doom, and then stabs and slashes the creature with Excalibur. Excalibur flies into the air with a lightning bolt, and somehow Hellboy has lived through this. Like He appears to still have blood on his chest, but there's no, like, open gaping wound or anything like that. Yeah, there's something mystical. I mean, I know he has like, I guess he has a healing factor that's different than humans. But getting stabbed right through the middle of the torso seems like it would be bad news, yeah. even for a, for a pretty 
damn close to a mortal guy. And it's his third time. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, he's like getting wounded in this way that would mm, otherwise be fatal if he wasn't him or like the chosen one in some capacity. Alice confirms that too. She's like, yeah, that spear went through you. And the champion like insists. He's like, yeah, uh, even if your army was huge, like Nimue is like something different now. Nimue, who was queen of blood, she's made herself goddess of war, but she's becoming something else. So, you know, Hellboy's like, yeah, what? And he's like, I had too late. Bye. And dies. <laughs> so, you know, something else, you know, what's worse than the God of War? Some big dragony thing that might cause the end of the Whoa, universe? Oh, good guess. Something like that, maybe. I like this depiction, too, of Nimue holding the skull again with yeah. the three crow crown with uh, Bob Ma Maka Morrigan in the back with like this cool like tapestry yeah. depiction of like war and death. Yeah, I agree. I really like that panel a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. And then when the creature dies, it transforms back into its like little hedgehog self. Oh, yeah, I said poor. I said porcupine. Is like, I'm so sorry. I meant hedgehog. Oh, you know, what's the difference? Hedgehog. What's the difference? Hedgehog. It's like the difference between like a sheep and a goat. <laughs> like I almost don't care. Hedgehog and porcupine. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll be googling that later. I guess though, I say I don't care, but I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely back, baby. <laughs> yeah uh look how cute he was he wasn't that cute a minute ago <laughs> hellboy starts tromping through the woods to find excalibur and uh, he does and as he does he finds like a little inn uh sort of like a tavern in the middle of the woods and it starts raining right at that moment they go in asking for a phone there's no phone but you know hellboy goes up we they go up to the bar alice initially orders two beers but hellboy's like no i just want coffee or tea whatever you got so that's a big thing for hellboy he's like done drinking yeah you know he's continuing not to to drink so they don't like harp on it but it's like a pretty huge thing we kind of like talked about it a little last time but like he's resisting getting shit faced even though something very stressful is about to happen he's he's facing his reality now. Yeah, if he drank right now, we'd all give him a pass. He just got stabbed in the chest, but he's just like, nope, don't right. do that. He has to, he has to be like clear headed and face this. Like, there's no like escaping mentally or physically from his fate at this point. Sure. There's like an old TV playing in the corner. The bartender asks, like, you want me to turn that up? But they say no. But they see a big fucking like Ogdru uh, hem creature waiting dormant in the Salton Sea that we saw back in the issue of BPRD. And you see this is this is Kate Corrigan, right? Yeah, it's a different depiction of her. I think this is the first time we've seen Fergredo. Yeah, Fergredo draw her. If not like in a quick flashback, maybe between Hellboy and her. But it is her. They they show over her image the exchange between Kate and Hellboy that they had. The last time yeah. we talked. So I thought that was really a cool way to kind of show her and, and also remind Hellboy like, your friends are here fighting this fight on a different playing field, but they're they're still there. And I really love this 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 moment specifically because me and you have been reading this chronologically as if back when these were re releasing, right? Yeah. It's interesting because it's for so long, Hellboy and BPRD have been so separate, right? Yeah. There's been this big gap between them because Hellboy's off doing his own thing. And this is the first time in a long time where they, we see a direct connection. He literally is looking at events that we have already witnessed and read in, in BPRD. Yeah. And I thought it was such a cool, small, it didn't put a stop to like, it didn't feel forced or feel like it stopped this story that I'm in. 
but it gave me a reminder that these things that this these two worlds are connected and it does it in such a small one visual with just seeing a creature that we've now know of yeah sitting i believe that's salt and sea salt and sea yeah and then the conversation that they last had it's such an emotional connection that i was just like i I was like bravo because i thought that they killed it by bringing those together so well and then you yeah. and i was like wow because it seems so separated they're in such a different world right now so it's great to have a little reminder for hellboy that these other events are happening on the other side of the world he has to be so focused in this moment And then there's this awesome flashback to him as a kid. Also, he sees like the end is nigh, like we saw in the previous issue, the Alan Moore looking motherfucker (laughs) who's saying the end is nigh. So kind of like thematically tying it back where the end is nigh, I think is a great image for this because in the real world, we that's a thing that's like a, you know, people standing on corners, especially like in L.A. It happens a lot in, in like you where you'll see somebody like dancing with a cross and having some kind of sign that says if not the end is nigh then something similar like basically saying to like repent or whatever but the end is nigh that's this that's the thing that's like saturated hellboy's life this like idea that the apocalypse is coming he'll have something to do with it and the theme of the story i think is like really distilled here into like a little moment with between hellboy and his dad and Professor Broom back when he's a kid in New Mexico in 1947. Hellboy's like feeling a little down. His dog is there and like his uh, ball and baseball mitt are there. But he's like bummed out. And he basically asks his dad, like, you know, I'm I'm special, but I'm I'm not special like Superman, like because he looks like a monster. Yeah. And, and he asks basically like. If he's like Frankenstein, Broom says, of course you're not. You're a good boy. And if you behave yourself, eventually you'll grow up to be a very fine young man. And Hellboy's like, like the lobster. We get this great. <laughs> speaking of Kirby, like this is such a Jack Kirby draw. Like the way that the like muscles, the way the shadow on the yeah. body is depicted. Like it's very Kirby. It looks great. Yeah, it's such a, like a cla- it has such a classic golden age feel to it. Yeah. I lo- the colors. I love the green background on all of it. Yeah. It's so it's like a. It just reminds you, like, it's the first time that I really understand why Hellboy, particularly as a child, would be into Lobster Johnson. Because, like, yeah, when I, he's a hero. I met him and I'm like, you're kind of a son of a bitch. You're sort of a psychopath. Right. But, like, if this is what I got handed as well, like, as a boy, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. This is. Yeah, you're only seeing the good stuff. You're seeing him being, like, fighting for justice yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like, great, cool. <laughs> um, He fights bad guys and their monsters. Um, just like you do, Professor. That's right, son. Someday. And like kind of trails off. Hellboy is there with his tea, like holding his head in his hands, feeling a little distraught. Yeah, feeling down like he was as wow, a kid. He's really down. Yeah. Same, same thing. Same struggle that he's had for, since that moment of like, how am I going to resolve this? And will I end up being Superman or Frankenstein. This is why I think this stuff is so good because I think the dialogue is very sparse and clear and it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. But then you have this moment of like emotional connection back to his past in two different ways. One is just TV, some voiceover of, from their last conversation. You have this moment mm-hmm. with Broom in a flashback, full flashback. And then you cut back to him. I just think this panel of him, like the silent panel, says so much about the weight he has on him. Mm-hmm. and i'm like wow there's like i don't know I, I feel like in this panel alone before he even says a single word or makes any new choices it's like oh he's i feel like there's regret 
about leaving the BPRD right here. There's regret about maybe like seeing through what Room saw him to be in, in regards to that. Like if he would have stayed, maybe he could have kept going in that direction. Yeah. I don't know. There's just such a weight there that I think is beautifully illustrated in a silent family. Sorry. I, I, lo- I lost my train of thought. No. There, but... <laughs> no, I love it. I agree. Yeah. I think he's, it's a very like sober, literally sober, you know, but also uh, like, and somber kind of a moment where he's like he has to face these thoughts again thoughts that he had as a kid he's had his whole life and he's tried to push them away with like alcohol or whatever else just whatever distractions come along but he can't escape it and he has to face it and that's uh, really hard and sucks because he might end up being the key to the apocalypse or whatever yeah right i also i think right here just to add to that i don't think we've Unless I forgot, I don't think we've ever seen a moment where Hellboy took time to grieve Broom that I can remember. Yeah, not really. And I think this is the closest we've seen him possibly maybe have a moment for his yeah. life. Because I feel like he just, everything's just kept going since Seed of Destruction. It's been almost nonstop. Right, right. And I, I could see him as a character. And I mean, I don't think Mignola has actually said this out loud because I think he's a better creator than that. But like, I think there's some textual there like, Hellboy's sort of a blue collar hero. And I think a lot of times, for lack of a better word, like it sometimes is a privilege you get if you get time to grieve. And I don't think Hellboy's had any time to grieve. Yeah, some people can't. Some people have to keep working. For Hellboy, it's because like, you know, the never ending uh, existential threat of hellish demons taking over the earth. You know, it's like it's heightened to this fantastical place. But a feeling of like having to be like, oh, well, I have to keep making money and putting food on the table and paying fucking bills. I think, you know, that's, you know, sub that for mm, demons and stuff. You know, it's 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 a a very relatable thing Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. And not wanting to not wanting to face it because you feel like you what do you do? Just slip into despair if you sit there and think about all the (laughs) bad shit. I've been there. I um, try to keep myself yeah. busy at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. You try to be like, well, <laughs> I need a hobby. I need to, you know, something. Yeah. So I think I think that's, yeah, another very relatable moment there, too. And of course, there's not time. There's not even time for him to really dive into that right Can't now. Can't think about it. Yeah. Because Alice is looking out the window and it's like, hey, you got to see this. And the army of the dead that's been promised has shown up surrounding the little tavern where they're holed up and he just goes crap and that's the last panel yeah <laughs> like it's happening it's here they're on your doorstep i love that yeah it's great <laughs> that's like why the humor is so good in hellboy is it's not humor yeah. that's like trying to get me to laugh out loud or like cheesy or it just it's like he knows when to inject it's like i just went through we went through all this heaviness in a couple of pages but then, of mm-hmm. course, his reaction just to that is crap. Yeah, and it's perfect. It's like, how does Hellboy respond to heaviness but say, like, ah, crap. <laughs> it's so good. It's perfect, yeah. <sighs> it, and, it, yeah, it's just great. And then we're doing three, too, right? Hell yeah, we are. Hell yeah. Issue three of The Storm. The cover, again, really washed out muted colors. And we have, like, a distraught Graugic overarching in the background with like Excalibur, then in the middle, and then Hellboy and a serpent like coiling around him in the foreground. Yeah, cool it's shit. Very cool. And there's so many elements. I mean, like if I was to see this on a shelf and I was in right reading it when it was being published, I'd be very excited to see the continuation of Grauka. 
mm-hmm. and then of course Scalabra. But then I'm like this tentacle snake, and then the tentacle that's behind Graugok. I'm like, oh boy, what's coming? I guess that's like that for me looks like the snake's oh. body, but I think I think it's very deliberately supposed to look tentacle like. Right. I think it's definitely supposed to hearken to that imagery of like motherfucking H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, it's supposed to look like the like tentacly Lovecraftian cre- yes. uh, sort of like monstrosities that we've seen before. But this one, it, it like kind of transitions into the snake, I think. And the snake, we'll see throughout this issue how that comes into play. Yeah, definitely part of the whole. I mean, Agdur Yahim, or not the him that accused the Jihad. They like the earthly people, people that like access, even from Rasputin to others that have like attempted to access that power and be and worship it. They call it the serpent, mm-hmm. even though there's right what there's several of them nine, ten. I'm forgetting the number. Yeah, <laughs> and it opens with right where we left off. The noble dead of Britain army has come to have Hellboy lead them, but Hellboy's like, yeah, I have a gut feeling that this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> Alice is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we went through all this trouble and we got Excalibur and like Mab led you there and so did like Morgan Le Fay. And he's like, yeah, I kind of don't fully trust Morgan Le Fay. Like, I feel like she wants me to do this for her own kind of benefit, whatever it may be. We don't know what it is. And Mab, you know, maybe Mab led me as far as she needed to lead me, but my, I'm, I've trusted my gut up to this point and right now it's telling me to leave the sword here and not lead this army. I have to like go figure out what I, what I need to do. And she's like sad, but she's like, okay. And then he kind of is talking about the future. He's like, yeah. And then we'll go, you know, once this is done, we'll go help the BPRD. How do you want to, you want to live in America? And he like, she kind of smiles, but with tears in her eyes. So she's like half thinking like, you know, he's kind of being like somewhat optimistic saying that maybe he's just saying it, to say something nice in the face of all this like heavy shit. But yeah, I think you could construe it as him being somewhat optimistic that they'll get through this somehow. I think so. Like, I think that they, I, I take what he's saying is truthful because I don't think they're, if he's being like, just saying it to say it, I, I just don't think it would be that good of a read. Right. Like, because yeah. I, I think what we just saw him witnessed is we witnessed him like reconnect from a distance, but reconnect to where he for his roots back in BPRD. That being said, I do think there's a little bit of hero's journey here and him still denying it, like his call, whatever they call it, and the hero's journey call to action. Mm-hmm. I think he's avoiding it. I, now, I, I think he's avoiding it with optimism of like, oh, I'll go back to... And with intention yeah. to find something else. He's like, he's not like, I'm going to go drink over here and not do anything. He's going to go do something, but he just knows like, this isn't the avenue to do it. Yeah. As he walks out too, he sees on the tavern, like a Holy Grail <laughs> kind of a, a image on the tavern side. Yeah, I think that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Like what if he, if he had drink, do you think they would have served it in the Holy Grail for him? <laughs> yeah, here you go. But he walks off into the woods and Alice is there. She's like sobbing. And as he's walking, you know, he hears something. He looks up and sees Graugak has tried to kill himself. He's like hung himself by a noose here, but he still lives. He begs Hellboy to forgive him. And uh, he says he wants to die. Hellboy grabs his gun. We see a close up of the holster that he was given from like his gun way back in the first issue. That like U.S. holster from 
Torch of Liberty. Yep, you're right. So that's kind of cool. It's like this throwback to when, yeah, to the first issue. And he takes the gun, fucking blasts Graugik. Like, he, like, empties the clip on Graugik here. Truly another moment where I was shocked. Like, genuinely, yeah. while I was rereading this, I turned the page and was like, he fucking just lays into Unloaded <laughs> until the gun's, like, empty and clicking. So, and then Gragas there, and he's like, even now, I cannot die. And so that's it. He leaves him to just hang there, because what else can he do? Hellboy chucks the gun away. Sorry, pal. <laughs> and then as Hellboy's walking, he sees the end is nigh sign with the bell that the uh, old man had been holding in the first issue. Looks up and sees this guy, who now we see, like, his brightly illuminated ring. Ooh. And... He's like, yeah, what the hell do you want? This guy's telling him, you're running out of time and shows him like this vision of Nimue's army and Nimue's up in this tower. You got to get through this big, crazy fucking army. And there's like giants and frog people and like armored baboon monsters and shit. Like there's all kinds of like crazy cool stuff in this panel. Yeah, I like the big like giant wolf, like giant. Wolf. Yeah, the big wolf in the Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> And it's like he had a pretty hard time against just the one champion. This is like a whole army of strong monsters. So he's like, yeah, you cannot fight this battle. Even if you had the fucking noble dead of England, like you're done. Uh, But you could fight it if you had this hell army. And then you could try to like send the hell army back if you wanted. Hellboy grabs this guy's walking stick and smacks him with it. And as he does that, this like snake is revealed. We see that it's um, his uncle Astaroth that we've seen before. We saw him in like pancakes and in a couple other things like he's of evil is where we I think we really got introduced to him. Yeah. Box of evil. Yeah. So he's uh, yeah, he's Hellboy's uncle demon who's trying to get him trying to get Hellboy to use the armies of hell and like lead the lead those armies. And he holds the snake almost like a staff a little bit here. It looks really cool. It looks like really cool and like evil with this like forest backdrop. Yeah. He's like pissed that Hellboy's still saying no. Hellboy says, screw you. You know, what's in it for you? The one you think of as your father, he lied to you. No matter what you do, you will never be a man. So he's like, he's, but Hellboy's still like, fuck off. Yeah. Son of a, and like lights another stogie or whatever. And then as he's doing that, he turns around to see Baba Yaga's there as well. Oh. She's like, okay, now it's my turn to talk to you about something. Listen, I can deliver you past Nimue's army to this tower, and I'll just live forever in this like vision of Russia that doesn't exist anymore, but I need that eyeball. You shot my eyeball out. <laughs> it's time to pay up. And Hellboy says, okay. I love his, after he says that, the one panel of just red. Love it. As though you're seeing from Hellboy's point of view. And then she holds up Hellboy's bloody eye triumphantly. You know, she's like, finally, she's been hounding Hellboy for this eyeball for so long. And then we see a little kind of like chess, old carved chess table kind of pieces. Like not not chess pieces exactly, but like those like uh, like on a map in like Game of Thrones yeah. or something where you see the little figures that are like the arm representing the armies. I'm sure there's a name for whatever these are, but they're like little talismans that represent like the cavalry and the artillery mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. And one that I think I would think represents Hellboy, this like middle red figure that's bleeding and holding a sword. And we have Morgan Le Fay saying now, uh, you know, now something, something's something's playing out in in a way that she has clearly strategized and like planned on. Like Hellboy had guessed, you know, something's going to happen that is good for her that might not be good for everybody else. She's she's 
Coming off still untrustworthy. (laughs) Yeah. And then it cuts to the tower where Nimue is saying the same. These we've heard these words before from Rasputin, um, her praising the serpent, the dragon, saying that there's I said I said eight, nine or ten. What an idiot. There's seven. (laughs) Yeah. Seven, you know, it's such a magical number. I feel like we see it all the time. This is a cool thing, like this uh, big tapestry here with the snake, more like biblical Adam and Eve kind of shit happening. This this Adam and Eve depiction is wild, though, because the serpents between them, they're these skeletal ones with these big cuts in their, like, abdomen. Stomachs. Yeah, like through their whole... nasty. Yeah, it's rough. And yeah, yeah, it seems bad. And there's, like, skeletons dancing with, like women here too <laughs> just like creepy I'm, I'm sure that this is you know Mignola does this all the time where he like references a real work of art yeah. like I'm sure this is an, an, a tapestry that exists uh, I just don't know the name of it but it's fucking badass if anybody knows it let, let us know <laughs> please but then as Nimue is like praising the dragon she's interrupted by one of the witches that she has like captured there who you know her bones are all fucking twisted she's jacked up and she speaks with this like greenish speech bubble so we know it's something's up something's going on love that the little like subtle green that's there to spill blood like rain and devour flesh she like finishes nimue's sentence nimue gets pissed immediately you dare speak here i speak for them they want me to tell you this that you are chosen for an honor greater than any since the beginning and Nimue looks like terrified, but she basically tells her like, uh, you know, you're blessed among all these people that have been that have tried to bring the dragons. They're going to be born out of you. And we see this cool panel with like all these different characters throughout the story. Yes, I love this. You know, we see Rasputin, we see uh, Memnonsa, Black Flame, and like just all these like people throughout history who have tried to bring. Yeah, I could name all of them, like Hecate, but I can't. I can't remember who the one guy is that's right below like a pharaoh, like the third one over. I was like, yeah, which guy? I cannot remember who he is. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, I guess I should, but he looks vaguely familiar. I I, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of these guys, (laughs) you know, Uh, somebody's like yelling at us right now. They're like, this is obviously I'm wondering if this is the plague of frogs guy that like started that. Yeah. That sounds right. He's not the MVP of this group, like these other guys. Yeah, I feel like the others are immediately I recognize. But anyway, they they all failed to bring the seven back. And so this like witch is speaking like the seven or I guess like speaking through her saying like the the dragon will be born again through you. And immediately like her arm starts changing and transfiguring into this like claw this big scary dragony claw uh nimue is like what have you done uh some witch's trick and she like grabs the witch and throws her but as she's doing that she's like continuing to transform and nimue is changing and then we see the shot from outside of the tower with the like seven stones that have been containing the seven that will like become adru jihad <laughs> and her army is outside cheering Mod Maka Morrigan from outside the like war god names that Ooh. we've been hearing throughout 
So yeah, it seems uh it seems like this is some bad shit. This is yeah, bad. And I love the phrase that the witch that speaks for them keeps saying, the seven become one. <laughs> yeah. Like I love that close up on Nimue with the green eyes, that whole bottom panel before it cuts outside. Yeah. And it's saying that I think that's it's all we're like, oh boy, what is this is wild. I love this man. I love that Figredo has like no stock thing, you know, like his expressions are all so specific and like, like I'm, you know, a lot of artists do this, but I just really like his, his hand gestures and his like facial expressions are really fun, really good, especially for like for women in comics. There are some artists who kind of have like stock ways that they draw shit and like it's cool to see her be so expressive and like almost like snarling in this last picture. I yeah. think it is really good. I agree. He's he never feels repetitive at all at any point. I mean, I read a lot of Marvel comics and I enjoy Marvel comics, but there are times when I yeah. feel like, oh, this is factory. This is sort of coming out of yeah. the factory. Somebody, you know, they're like churning it out and and they're trying to like maintain a certain like level of image yeah. or something or like you know like continuity or whatever it's it reminds me of like the simpsons how the simpsons have become like really stuck to their character models yeah. but like if you watch like season two the kind of shit like they like used to have these crazy cartoony expressions that they like don't do very much anymore like it's i i like I it i think it's cool because it's a little creative and you get to see like the hand of the artist more i'm with you but yeah yeah just a just an ex, just a preference. This is a wild cliffhanger because this comes out. Let's see. I want to look at the date for this. This came out on September 2010. I'm like, mm -hmm. when did the Fury hit? I was like, I want to know what the gap is. June of 2011. That is a huge wow, that's amount a long of time, time to wait. wait. <laughs> yeah. For this, that's this crazy. Is such a wild cliffhanger. Yo, this cover for the Fury is so cool. Nope. The one that I just clicked yet. on. I know I can't yet, but that's very. It looks fucking awesome. This build up is so good. I mean, okay, I want to just talk about this moment because it's one of my favorite moments. Is him finally having to pay the debt to Baba Yaga. I think that is. Yeah. One, it harpens back to like this feeling like, oh, this book has such great ongoing history which i love and two it feels like such a good fantasy element like it, yeah. like it feels like we're right in there in fantasy and like good fantasy where it's like yeah you do everything has like a consequence but also yeah i can do this magical thing for you but it's gonna come with a cost and i love that it's another thing of hellboy like uh, acknowledging where he's at and paying a debt that he's been running yes. from for a long time he's been like avoiding it and now finally it's like okay i have to there's a reason why i've had this debt and now i can pay it and get something back for it fight nimue i fuck i, I like want to keep reading it like right now I know you do but we're not going to it's very yeah we're gonna wait i'm gonna wait um it's fucking it's awesome so good i mean do you have it I mean, you were talking about his hands there's that shot this is from the other issue the the, the one where alice throws the Excalibur to Hellboy and it does that one bottom panel where it's just his hand grabbing the sword. Regredo's handwork in that and like the leaves yeah. falling around him as he grasps the the hilt is so gorgeous. It's yeah. and then the coloring of course with the shadow that 
with Dave Stewart's coloring is so good. Ugh. I yeah. love the quality of Excalibur in this. Me too. Uh, it, it reminds me too of um, in uh, Indiana Jones, how it's like this humble looking cup. Yes. Like this is like a gold colored sword, but like the it's not like it's not like super ornately carved. It's like old, old, old Irish kind of shit or like English or Welsh, like uh, like an, a Druidic looking thing almost like. Yeah, I, I really like it. I'm with you. It's. It's, humble is a great word to give it, I think. Like it. Let me look up like a Bronze Age sword and see what that looks like. Google. Yeah, that's what it fucking looks like. Google Bronze Age sword, <laughs> dude. And it's like, this is the kind of shit that I'm thinking of. I really love the full conversation between Alice and Hellboy as he decides to not go lead the army. And leading up to them kissing and him leaving. I think that... Mm-hmm. I think the pacing of... I think the dialogue is really good. It doesn't feel overwritten. It feels very mm-hmm. like naturalistic especially for a comic every panel just takes us through like the emotional journey of both of them and magnolia's earned that he's like he's made it he's evolved as a writer but he's also like laid out this story if you're here reading this comic it's because you've read a fucking shitload (laughs) of years of this comic like you know what's going on he knows that too it's like he doesn't have to spell everything out there's no like in marvel comics they it would drive me crazy when i was a kid but i would grab a comic and it would be like it would be like to understand what they're talking about see issue 57 of iron man you know and i'm like i don't have 57 issues of iron man like (laughs) it would just make me so sad but like for this it's like they you know if you're this far along it's because you've been reading it the whole time yeah you feel rewarded yeah It's, it's so good I specifically love the panel two panels back before the kiss where he has his arm around her and she's like really close to him. And that's when he mentions going back to the bureau. I love the whole panel where his stature Hellboy has just such like stature in it. And like, yeah, he seems so determined to be like, yep, things are going to be fine. I'm going to go back to the bureau. And I think it's interesting that in that panel, his right hand of doom is sort of out of halfway out of the panel yeah i think that's an yeah interesting i agree choice. with you yeah i think that's a very deliberate choice too to show his like human hand and his human hand is also holding alice like it's a very like human gesture right thing is okay i have a question for you uh-huh. how hot is this kiss scale of one to ten <laughs> i mean i don't find hellboy sexy personally but i don't either but you know <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's more like romance. It's like it's a it's like a promise of like, I'm going to try to live. I'm going to try to live through yeah. this. I think it's like se- it's sexually nothing like it's not. Hot. True. It is not. It's hot. more it's more like a, it's like an emotional. It's an emotional thing. It's more romantic than like, emotional. It's, emotional. Yeah. If anything, it's romantic. And it's like a it's like a just a promise. Like I, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna do everything I can to live through this, and we'll have a future. And I'm gonna try to make sure that I, whatever I do, doesn't bring about the apocalypse right now. And I intend to not die while I'm doing it. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it's saying more than anything. With him being like, "How do you feel about living in America? Like making plans, yeah. making future plans at this point." Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. At the same time, it it's, could be a farewell. It's like a goodbye. Yeah, just in case. I mean, yeah. she, I feel like Alice's treaty is emotionally connecting to it as a goodbye. Well, she doesn't. You know, she's like, "Oh, he's saying that," but all these odds are stacked against him, and who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? So, yeah. and she, you know, she's sobbing after he leaves. Like, I think that's pretty clear that she just it's not known to her i really love the sword on the table i don't know why that's a very great humble drawing of it 
scallop yeah. just sitting on a coffee. It's lying there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between like some teacups, yeah. yeah. So funny. I'm with you. That romance, I'll give it, I'm going to give that romance kiss an eight out of 10. Yeah, I think emotionally it has a lot of weight <laughs> rather than like, you know, it's not like slipping the tongue. I hope not. <laughs> Ruin the moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a time and a place. Okay, a scale of one to 10. Is how 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 brutal do you think how do you how much do you think one being he did the right thing like he did what was right and ten or and ten being wow he went too far with blasting Grogok. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, I guess it because Grogok carries some carries some blame for everything being like the first little domino to start knocking all of these pieces down to where we are now. So yeah, Hub was like, "Fuck you." Like, you're going to be sad now, like, uh, and shoots him and has kind of no regard, like, throws the gun away, has doesn't have anything to say to him. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, this is this my action here will speak for me. Fuck you. And like, blast a million bullets into him and shit. So I give it a, I give yeah. it a, I give it a, a nine. Yeah. What was the, what was the scale for again? It was how brutal. Yeah, how brutal you think it is. Like, in deserving. <sighs> yeah. I mean, like a, like eight a eight. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you because you guys. Because he's pitiful. He's a sad character, but it's also like he's how how what 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 else is there to say for him for from Hellboy to him? Right. <laughs> Where it's like you shouldn't have been stealing babies in the first place, and I wouldn't have burned you with an iron. <laughs> All right, my scales are ridiculous on this. They're just on the top of <laughs> no, my head. I like it. Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay, scale of one to ten. How excited are you to continue the second half of? Ten! I can't wait. I want to read it right now. What do you? What are? What are? Kate, having read this for the first time, what are your uh-huh. predictions about what's about to happen? Like, what would you guess? Like, what are we going? What's gonna happen? Something's gonna, you know, Morgan Lefay is gonna play some part in this. I don't know what yet, or if it'll be helping or hindering Hellboy's progress through this kind of shit. I guess I'm predicting that, like, I mean. It seems like the seven or the dragon Agdru Jihad is here on Earth. I wonder if we might see a little. I, I I don't know. I don't know if we will see the army of hell or not, or if it'll just be. I I guess it'll just be Hellboy solo against Agdru Jihad, and it'll be some kind of like cosmic power clash. Right. You know. Again, I dig it. I'm I'm loving this. Maybe he'll have to rely on the love of his friends or something like that. I don't know. That's so funny. Have, did you ever play the movie or the video game Earthbound for Super Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. I never beat it, oh. but, I, but I, it's really cute. I really okay, like that. The spoiler, spoiler for the game. You can spoil it. It's been out for like 30 when years. When you get to the very end boss, you can sit there and fight him a hundred times, but you'll never win until you realize there's a button on there that's like a, a there's a thing called Prey, P-R-A-Y. Prey, yeah. And you just have to decide to click it. I think I had to look it up in my like. I still have like the uh, Nintendo yeah, like, Power like you... book for it. Oh, that's the best! And you have to click that on the last guy because what you do is you pray in the middle of this battle that you can't defeat, and every person that you met along the way in the video game prays for you, and that Aww, love defeats the villain. That's cute. That just made me think of that. cute as shit. <laughs> I got to play that full game. I know I it was really funny when I was playing it, but I I think I got to some part where it was like that happens a lot with Nintendo games where it's like not super intuitive how to beat yeah. it. Like original like NES games. Yeah. 
where you're like, I don't know what to do next. And honestly, like, I'm just going to put this down for a minute. But, you know, that's also the charm of them. I wrote to Nintendo Power to ask them where the raft was for the um for the original Zelda game. Oh, awesome. And they wrote me back. They wrote me a letter and told me where to find it. I wish I still had it. I wish you did, too. That's amazing. I oh, man, I want to frame it. That's great. But it was they were nice. They like they were like, oh, it's right here. And like told me exactly how to get there from like the home screen of that game. Because, you know, you always yes. start in that home screen. Uh, you had to figure out that map of the whole land. Yeah. Great. I remember it was, oh, yeah. I, I had like a, a printout, like a color printout from like Nintendo That's awesome. Power or something of it. it yeah. Really funny. So cool. But yeah. All right. Well, I am very excited. Any final thoughts or anything you want to say about this? the storm in general or these it's last two issues cool to see it coming tying together it really feels like feels like that now and i'm like ready for it you yeah know? i think ready for it is a great it's happening in a very satisfying way i'm enjoying it i'm ready for it i want to see what happens i can't believe how satisfying it is it still blows my mind it's like how that you know they've said it like all the people that have worked with him and like their introductions and stuff they're like yeah he's gonna pay it off and it's fucking sick as hell it's really <laughs> yeah. cool like it's gonna be worth it and so far it is I love I it do too and we want to hear about you your thoughts and your love for these yeah. these stories um, the storm of course and anything we've covered in the previous episodes you can email us your thoughts so we can share them on the podcast at crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at Aw Crap, a Hellboy Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and review. If you go onto Apple Podcasts and you give us a boom review, what we that a boom review is a review with five stars that starts with the word boom, B-O-O-M. If you give us a boom review, we will read your review right here on the show and give you all the praise and love that you deserve. Yeah. But before we get out of here, we got a segment for you. And that segment doesn't work with all of you out there and that is oh boy email, email. <laughs> i realized i do not have my email open let's uh, give me a moment so we're going to start with an email from drew campbell regular emailer and listener he was one of the listeners I had on in my uh, Let Me Talk to the Listeners episode. He has a little short and sweet email for us. It's in response to our last episode that uh, I did with my friend Spidey. It's titled Ghost Hellboy. Here's what Drew had to say. Dear Crappers, <laughs> Ghost slash Hellboy is my favorite Hellboy story. I can't explain why. I think it's the guns. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you listened to that episode yet, Kate, or at all. You don't have to, but... No, I'm going... I, I'm absolutely going to. Ghost and Hellboy, it's a very lackluster. I don't know if Drew is being serious <laughs> or just being very funny, but I love that. And then he says, I love you, uh, Drew Campbell. Aww. And then P.S. He said, weird charisma is a perfect description for Glenn Danzig, at least until about 1995 or so, after which is it's more of a weird anti-charisma. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds right. So that's what, yeah, that's a description I gave Dan. <laughs> we got in talking about misfits, and I was like, "Yeah, he has a weird charisma, and without it, yeah, I don't. You, why do? Why else would I listen to the misfits? Yeah. Uh, but that's a great, short, sweet, wonderful email. Thank you, Drew Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying I love. I you. love it. Great. And then our next email um, is coming from Dan. Um, now he is best known on Instagram, sci-fi models and stuff. It's like sci-fi yeah. sci underscore models and stuff. Look it up. Like, honestly, 
I've said it a hundred times on here before. Now he's messed up. But he's also the guy that made, we're sending out some keychains. I don't know. You haven't got your keychain yet, right? Can Not I? yet. Great. I have it on my bookshelf for you. Oh, sweet. Uh, but we're, we're sending a couple of, uh, of listeners that, as well, including Drew, the keychain that he created of the right hand of doom. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. We love it. Great work. Check him out on Instagram at sci-fi models and stuff. But this is his email titled nondescript listener email. hey guys so glad you're back because i finally got caught up to your episodes cool thank you i'm so excited that you're finally done with plague of frogs and on to the real good shit in bprd hell on earth don't get me wrong plague of frogs sets up some really good storylines but it's so damn repetitive kill frogs kill men 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 song yeah kill black flame yeah and then repeat at at nausea (laughs) <laughs> Hell on Earth takes a more humanistic approach to the war, especially in one-shots like Grind. Remember that one. Mm. There, there's also a ton of new minor characters that fill out the cast, and that adds a lot of subtext that I like. Cool. Yeah, I think that's very cool, especially because this is stuff that both me and Kate have not read. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I see you've still got some tremendously dull Abe Sabian stuff to get through. Wow, dull. hot take. Oh, man. <laughs> But in my opinion, Hell on Earth is the best of BPRD and maybe better than Hellboy. All right. Uh, Wow. Hello. I don't know. I go back and forth. Okay. I can understand going back and forth. Okay. Yeah. And then he says, I'm super excited to hear you talk about some of my favorite story arcs and just thought I'd drop you a line. So to make this a little more exciting, who are your favorite side characters in BPRD so far? And he says, I'll be listening soon. Okay, he's listening right now, so we got to answer this question. <laughs> got to answer Dan's questions. Who's your side favorite characters. side character? I think Devin or whatever. Um, yeah, it's his I like last Devin. Name. I think he's Devin great. is his last name, right? Yeah, it's, it's his last um, name. I think his response. Isn't it Andrew Devin? Hold on. So, yeah, Andrew. Andrew Devin, yeah. Yeah. I like Andrew Devin because, especially in his last storylines at the end of Plague of Frogs, his responses to Abe Sabian. Him being like, get me out of this room. Yeah. <laughs> get him away from me. I do love Kate still, too. Like, I yeah, think she, she's awesome. I mean, I don't think Dan is wrong about Plague of Frogs. It did feel a little repetitive at times, especially with Mimin Saws. Yeah, for sure. And we've Ponya is somebody that's interesting, but we just it feels like it's just been a long, drawn out tease. Yeah, we haven't really gotten to see that payoff yet. I'm sure I'm sure it will in some cool way. She's like cool as like a cryptic kind of like, uh, you know, she's like you feel like she knows what's going on, but she hasn't like showed that hand yet. So, yeah, still kind of waiting on that. Yeah, totally. So but she's cool. Who else? I mean, there's some characters that have gone away that I still love. I mean, Roger, I'm still miss. And I think yeah. Roger's one of the best uh, Daimyo. I love Daimyo. And especially as like a leopard, I think that's like a cool looking thing. Yeah. You know, that's like a cool monster. Um, is there any others that I'm thinking of BPRD that I like are side characters? I don't know. I think those are it for yeah. me. Everybody else still feels like a lead character, like Liz, of course. And yeah, and Johan. Yeah. I mean, I like Johan. I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes because he still seems a little unhinged about losing his second body. So I yeah, I think yeah, I'll stick with Kate. I just think it's she's like cool and kinda hangs with all of the super powered people, you know, as far as like her being contributing to the BPRD. It's nice. Yeah, and who, how's her relationship with Bruno gonna turn out? 
you know? Yeah, that's what we gotta say. That's <laughs> what it's all about. Human relationships. There you go. I hope we answered your question well enough, Dan. Yeah, relationship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Dan, for another great email. We yeah. really appreciate it. And speaking of that, next week, our next episode is going to be BPRD's Hell on Earth New World. We're going to discuss, we'll probably do it in a different format, of, of course, than we do how we cover our Hellboys, but we're going to be discussing our thoughts on the full five-issue storyline of Hell on Earth New World. Woo! I'm very excited. Have you read that yet, Kate? I read no. it a little ahead of time, even no. though because uh, you've been gone, so I did, you know have some spare time to read do read ahead. <laughs> I'm excited to come. Cool. That's it. Okay. Well, I don't know what else to say. Very excited for the fury that will be coming up. Oh yeah. Next week, of course, New World. But any other final thoughts before we get out of here? I mean, that's it. It's good to have you back, Kate. I know it's good to be back. It's good to, to talk about Hellboy with you. Yeah. And with all of you out there. <laughs> Thank you again for all of your emails and list uh, for your follows and listening. Yeah. You know, downloading the show. We really appreciate it. Once again, you can share your thoughts with us at awcrap at hellboypodcast at gmail.com. But until next week, remember. We love when, you. Oh, we what up. the I'll hell? Until next week, thank you for listening. And we love you. We love you, the world guys. Okay. Okay. Uh, the page is unresponsive, and now I have to reload the page. Okay. The wiki. Okay, here we go. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.